Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's his world. You just live in it. This is the Warren Markowitz Show. Those who would trade our freedom for the soup kitchen of the welfare state have told us they have a utopian solution of peace without victory. They call their policy accommodation. And they say if we'll only avoid any direct confrontation with the enemy, he'll forget his evil ways and learn to love us. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Politics! 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 That's right, it's politics, politics, politics. Welcome and good morning. Hi, I'm your host, Warren Markowitz, and this is Politically Incorrect on the Warren Markowitz Show, live on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, welcome to the new year. It is January 8th, whoops, sorry, 9th, January 9th, 2018, and this is episode number one for the new season. Well, guys, it's January We've gotten the holidays out of the way. Christmas is gone. So for those of you who are now starting to count, I think we got 345 days before you can start singing carols again. Not really sure about that, but I really like to kind of limit things considering the Hallmark Channel puts on uh, holiday shows now every season. So we've got the winter shows, and we got the, we're going to have the, uh, um, the Valentine's Day shows, and of course you got Christmas in July, and it just drives me bonkers that every woman I know, including my wife and my mother, are watching these shows consistently. But hey, that's what the boob tube's for. It's designed to keep you distracted and have a good time. Well, there's been a lot going on in the last week. We've got uh, issues revolving around DACA again. Um, TPS is something new. That's right, temporary temporary protected status for about 200,000 Nicaraguans. And, of course, the Bundys maintained a victory in court as of yesterday. Pretty interesting chain of events. I'll bring you up to speed on that as I was there when that historical event occurred. And of course, we've got our government doing the best at being its worst when it's really just misbehaving. It's, it's an amazing chain of events, an amazing series of events. It's one hell of a way to kick off the new year. And you want to know something? I'm glad we're starting this way. I'm Warren Markowitz. This is Politically Incorrect on the Warren Markowitz Show. Remember to tune in to Podomatic.com for our show where casts are kept there. You can also find us on Spreaker.com. Of course, we're back here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, and uh, you know, if you've got iTunes, you can find us there. And uh, Facebook, Twitter, well, just about everywhere else you can think about on the Internet. Sit tight, relax, enjoy, kick back, and thank you for joining us today. We'll be in back in just a moment. I'm going to kick off the show. Sit tight. Well, guys, I guess we are discovering that there are errors in the way to start things. So we're going to let our commercial breaks be just that. We'll sit tight and chatter. And relax, and we will uh, pick up, I guess, when they decide that they have something to add to us. All right, so here we are. Uh, let's start with this. Let's start with the things that are on people's minds, and they're on they're involving events and circumstances, and so forth, because they're right out in front of us. DACA, okay, deferred action for childhood arrivals. We have talked about this. We have argued about this. We have discussed this. We have just gotten to the point where it's like, really? Is this exactly what we're dealing with again? Is this the same problem we're going to be having? What do we do with these 800,000? They're not kids anymore. They're young adults. They are parents. They are most likely involved in a community to some extent. 
but the problem is not necessarily them. Hi, I'm Warren Markowitz, host of the Warren Markowitz Show on Blog Talk Radio. Join me Tuesdays and Fridays at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time to talk politics, economics, and anything else that just might tickle your fancy. See you there. Okay, I guess that takes care of that that, that episode. So you know where we are. Okay. <clears throat> the problem we have with DACA is that number is 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 multi excuse me is multifaceted. First it was a program that was completely illegal when it was established. Second, it established rules and regulations and rights to people who were not entitled to them. Now don't get me wrong. This is a complicated issue. This is a complicated problem. This is a substantive matter that is going to be talked about in either the courts or history or both for decades to come. This is a real issue. Now, we've got our lefties and our lunatrons that go out there telling us how bad America is and how bad, you know, how racist the country is and how, um, you know, oppressive it is for people of color or people of different genders. I'm not even going to get into that BS. The bottom line with a lot of those problems, the bottom line with a lot of those issues is that we find ourselves in a position in which the same people who are telling us how bad we are and how inappropriate we are and how possible we are to deal with are telling us that this is where these that we have to be so nice and so caring and so giving that we have to go out of our way to destroy our own livelihoods to make it better for somebody else. Well, I don't understand something. I really don't understand something. I want to know why we are faced with such a circumstance. I want to know if we if we're that bad, why are people coming in the in droves, in absolute droves to be a part of the United States? Why are they risking their lives to come to such a place where there's such oppression and such and, and such downright racism where people hate them? You know, I I think it's an overload. I think it's just a giant crock of garbage. It is BS from start to finish when when people portray America like that. We are a land of opportunity. We are a land in which people have the chance to do what's right for themselves, for their families, for their society. That's where this DACA problem becomes such a complicated issue. The DACA issue is not just what do we do with illegal immigrants. What do we do with people who have come here with... Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you... Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 a pill for pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 1-800-516-0514 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-0514 to take your call now. Call 1-800-516-0514. That's 1-800-516-0514. Again, 1-800-516-0514. Um, I guess we, let me explain something. I'm using the, the online blog talk studio connection. And for some reason, it's just having a grand old time jumping itself around. So, um, getting back to where we were, opportunity, issues, concerns, 
our problem in America isn't that people want to come here. Our problem is that people want to come here. It's that people want to come here for economic opportunity, for social opportunity, for freedom, for, for the opportunity to be able to speak their minds, to consider themselves. By the way, if you want to be a part of this conversation, the call-in number is 914-338-1476. Again, it's 914-338-1476, and you are welcome to chat up the the topics today with me. And if it's something else that's not on topic that uh, really interests me, we're going to go ahead with that, too. We'll just add everything we possibly can for over the next you know, 45 or 50 minutes. But DACA is a bigger problem than just simply the people that are here. DACA basically ignored. It literally kicked the, can, uh, the problem down the road. So when the prior administration that created DACA put it in place, they knew that it was going to be a problem. Now, I don't know if they knew it was going to be a problem. They were hoping that somebody from their party would, continue, would, would come back in and continue the problem on basically by ignoring it, or that people would be fed up enough and say, hey, you know what, it's enough, we're, we're done with it, we have to address the issue. The issue is not that we have people living here, we have people living here that, A, many of us question their citizenship. B, they are impacting the economic structure around them. They are undermining the economics of the, the American labor force. And finally, I think the other issue is that socially, many of these people have family members that are refusing to assimilate, be a part of the society, be a part of what's around us. That's extremely important. That's excruciatingly important that immigrants become part of the community and not stand out. Not necessarily stand out as in like they're different, but stand out as in like refusing to be a part of. I have issues with that across the board. I have issues with anybody who decides to come to America or be a part of America and wants to be a part on the outside. Now, there are many, many cultures that are pockets of uniqueness. There's the Orthodox community in Brooklyn. There's the Amish community in Pennsylvania. There, I mean, there, there's, there are pockets throughout the United States. There's a Native American community that stands by itself. These people still are a major core of American values. But when you have people that are willing and to flagrantly violate the law and ignore the, the responsibilities that they bring when they come here, that becomes problematic. That becomes a major issue. And that's what we're faced with because chain migration is a, is a concept that develops that, once, that, that a citizen has a right to sponsor others to come into the country to visit. Okay, and to visit and to stay and to stick around and so on and so forth. That's what we're dealing with. These people that have been on the outside, that a special dispensation has been created for them, they may be, may, they are likely to be bringing in persons that are not familiar with or comfortable with the concepts that we execute here, that we have here. I mean, we have refugees, and this is just a side note, we have refugees from many Muslim countries. I don't have a problem with people coming here for safety reasons. I don't have a problem with people coming here for the purpose of advancing, uh, basically living, because it's too damn dangerous and there's nothing they can do about it back home. But a refugee is supposed to return to their place from which they gained refuge when the danger subsides. So maybe there's a little bit we can, a little slack we can cut. But overall, many of the the, the poorer, and I mean this sincerely, the Muslim refugees from the very from the poorest countries, they don't believe in the U.S. Constitution. They don't believe in a concept of equality. They don't believe that it's not okay to beat your wife or to beat your children. It's not okay to. Uh, you know, and honor killings are not acceptable courses of behavior. They don't believe these things. And, and because of that, they are an inherent threat. They're like that cold that you just can't shake. Now, is there anything wrong with them? Are they, are they, is there a problem with the people? No, I'm not saying there's a problem with the people. I'm saying there's a problem with the ideas that people carry. You know, at one point in time, you couldn't come into the United States if you were a communist. 
or an advance or a socialist. You had you couldn't gain entry. We are allowed to protect ourselves. That is one of the cores of the U.S. Constitution. Whether you are a, a believer in the Second Amendment or not, the basis of the Second Amendment is self-preservation. Now, I was watching the Gunpowder Plot on HBO called The Gunpowder with Kit Harrington and really Liv Tyler was in there. It was an interesting cast. He told the story of Guy Fox and the Gunpowder Plot of 1605. And the idea behind that was, here we are, they were Catholics. They were English Catholics under the Stuart King of James I. And they were abused and literally drawn and quartered, which, by the way, is when they hang you till you're almost dead, they gut you, and then they chop you into pieces and they scatter your body throughout the uh, the realm to remind people that you don't mess with the king. That's where our, our concepts of self-preservation and the rights of an individual come out of. We don't want that to happen again. So why would we why would we allow entry to cultures that are not willing to stand with us on things that are, are that important? The other thing is, with self-preservation comes self-reliance. We have developed over the last 40 to 50 years a culture of a welfare state in which people who come to the United States, legal or otherwise, wind up getting more than the people who are paying for it. Why is that? And is that right? You know, I, I, I don't have a problem with charity. Charity is supposed to actually come from the individual, not from the government. The government has a predefined set of rules and regulations and roles that it must fulfill. Redistributing my wealth, my, the money I earn, taking my, the money I earn and giving it to somebody else is not one of them. You know, there are a hundred different ways you can argue the, the issue, there's a, and there's probably a thousand different answers you can get out of it. But the bottom line is charity is not a governmental function. And a lot of these countries, you know, a lot of these people come from countries in which the government continues to pay off the poor to avoid a revolution. If you don't believe that, look at what's going on in Venezuela. You know, we talk about Venezuela now as a poverty-stricken in, a country that's filled with crime that's you know, absolutely collapsing in on itself. And we're talking about, they don't have McDonald's French fries. They haven't had them in years. This is McDonald's. It's, a, it's an international brand. People know it all over the world. People, whether you want to or not, enjoy seeing those golden arches when they travel because it, it's, it's a feeling of connection to something you're comfortable with. And yet places in Venezuela, you can't get it. You can't get the, hand, you can't get the, 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 the potatoes because you can't import them because you don't have the foreign currency because they have continued to buy off the lower end of the economic strata and not, instead of dragging them up off the bottom, they pulled the top down. And it's happening through inflation. It's happening through the black market. It's happening through lack of resources. And I'm not talking resources and they don't have the ability. A lot of these petro-organized countries, such as Venezuela and the, and the Arab nations in the, in the Middle East, are suffering greatly because they relied on a single, well, one-trick pony, oil. Well, the prices went from 105 110 $115 a barrel, where you and I were paying 3 4 and $5 a gallon of gasoline, to $55, $60 a barrel where it sits. And a lot of these countries saw their economic, their economies crushed. But why do they must? Why must they come here? Why what must we accommodate them? DACA was an accommodation. DACA was a short-term fix by the Obama administration, and I am not saying he was a bad man for doing it. And I am not saying that uh, you know I, I'm picking on him because he, he he helped brown people. It's none of that bullshit. Obama knew going in that it was a short-term fix. And I don't think the man was stupid not knowing that it was going to be a long-term problem to deal with. Why do you think it lasted so long? Under the Obama administration, it lasted, I think, roughly four and a half years. A full presidential term. But America woke up. America didn't continue the policies of the Obama administration. If America had more states would have sided with Hillary, 
and she would have been elected. That's how the you know the election system works in the United States. If I hear somebody say to me one more time, you know, Hillary won by three million votes, I'm going to say, look at California. I think she beat Trump by four, maybe four and a half million votes, but she still got all of the electoral votes out of California, which, by the way, has the most electoral votes. So she did get what she won. But America passed on that problem. America didn't want to deal with that problem. So I think Trump is taking it properly by saying, you got until March to solve this problem. Let me explain to you what I think is going to happen. The same thing that's unfurling in California right now with the increased number of ICE officers and DHS officers because California is deciding it wants to be a sanctuary state and not work with us in protecting our country. Notice, by the way, that California is also turning into a third world country based upon the number of people on uh, food stamps, number of people on SNAP, number of people involved in the welfare the number of people who don't speak English, roughly one in three in a in public school system. And the, I, I believe they've got the largest number of socialists and communists in their colleges anywhere in the country, even though everybody has gone completely wacky across the board. They're going to have a big problem because now you've got 800,000 people you have the addresses, their employers, their bank account information. You've got all the fun stuff to make the problem go away. How do you deal with the children of these children? Yes, you have to remember, these are not, they're, they're the first generation Americans somewhere in there. We've had a big problem with birthright citizenship in this country. Now, birthright citizenship was put in place because we had to deal with the African slaves. How do you deal with the slaves being freed and not granting them citizenship, not making them citizens of the United States because they were literally subject to the laws of the states. But we can carve out issues. It's not that cut and dry. Birthright citizenship is not that cut and dry. For, for an example, if you have a, um, an ambassador that's here from a foreign country and their, their wife or their spouse, let's say we'll call it their spouse because we don't know uh, they give, there's a child born to a, a couple of an, ambas, an ambassador couple here in the United States. That child does not get American citizenship. It's carved out in the immigration laws. One way we could eliminate the concept of illegal immigration and this amnesty that constantly keeps flowing time and time again is to eliminate birthright citizenship for persons that are here illegally or persons visiting here. That way, if somebody decides to come across the border and drop a baby, we don't hand them a Social Security card uh, and everybody gets to stay. I have no problem giving medical care. I have a problem with giving the gold ring for somebody just for showing up. That's another one we've been dealing with for almost for a decade plus. Everybody gets to win. It doesn't work that way. So when we talk about DACA, we see it unfold on the news. We see what's going on there. Just remember something. It is as important as it sounds, and it's not as simple as it sounds because 800,000 people can bring in another 3 million people in terms of the illegals that are currently here in terms of their parents and those who are not qualified under the original program. We have to stop what we have to stop giving away the house. And unfortunately those people found themselves right in the middle. And the biggest problem I got is the DACA people protesting that we must give them citizenship or we must let them stay. We must not do anything except protect our own interests. If it works for us to let them stay, then it needs to be shown how it works for us. And the Democrats, you got to remember something here, they're threatening to shut down the government over this. Not over you. Not over what you contribute. Not what over the taxes you pay. Not over the, the services that you demand of your, of your government. But over somebody else who came here by violating the law and not playing by the rules. 
So at what point does it end where we stop playing by the rules altogether? When does America stop playing by the rules and say, screw it, he, he can get away with it? By the way, that's social justice. Somebody else is treated better and brighter and different than you are. Look crazy. Let's see if we can get this thing to work here. Hang tight. The Warren Markowitz Show. It's his world. You just live in it. This program is brought to you by the Law Office of Warren R. Markowitz Esquire. Attorney Markowitz, that's me, is licensed in New York, the U.S. District Court and Bankruptcy Courts in Colorado, and the Ninth and Tenth Circuit Courts of Appeal. For more information or to see if I can help you with your case, please contact me at info at markowitzlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z-L-A-W-F-I-R-M.com. Warren Markowitz Esquire, a modern lawyer for modern times. Cryptocurrency and traditional forms of payment accepted. Well, I guess uh, some of them work. <laughs> the Warren Markowitz Show. On Red Sea Radio. Spreaker. And Automatic. Okay, I'm back. Um, please bear with me. It's the start of a new year. I guess we're going to have some fun with the, with the tools and toys and technology. It is what it is. Anyway, talk about Doc. Let's talk about TPS. It's Doc because it's kind of like a DACA light. Well, actually, it's kind of like a DACA minus one. TPS, temporary protective status. What is temporary protective status? There's a bunch of countries, the Haitians, Nicaraguans, Somalis, uh, Sudanese, North, South Sudan, um, there's a bunch of people that have gotten what's referred to as temporary protective status here in the United States. Why are we talking about immigration this time of the year? Well, immigration is a big deal. It's coming up in the budget. We're going to hear a lot about it. We're going to hear a lot about what's going on uh, in, in, the, in the services and in the process and, and so forth. And we really need to understand that we're not being mean to people. Temporary protective status is just that. It's, it's temporary. It says so in the name. DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. That means we're deferring action. That means we're not putting it off till the end of the world. We're te- it's temporary. And the idea behind temporary protected status is that uh, there were some major S earthquakes in, in, in 2000, 2001, and we allowed people from Nicaragua and that area of the world to come to the United States and basically be a refugee. We created our own little refugee program and said, hey, you can come here and you can get a job and you can work and you can, you know, live without worrying about the world collapsing around you. And eventually you're going to have to go home. So everybody nods their heads and says, winks their eyes and everybody gives it that, that, that crazy little look. And, of course, what do we find out? Nobody wants to go home. So when we unfurl this temporary protective status, now you have to figure out what you're going to do with these people. How are you going to deal with it? Are they going to go home on their own? Which is, by the way, they're required to leave or find an alternative means of staying. That might be political refugee. It might be economics. It might be social. uh, It might be they have children. Again, they were born here and they're now citizens. It may be any number of things The grand scheme of things, if you look at the big picture, the big economic picture, and by the way, guys, it all boils down to dollars and cents. Everything that the government does revolves around the bucks in your pocket or the bills in theirs. Okay? How much you get to keep, what do you get to spend, how you get to spend it, what they get to take on top of it all, you know, sales tax and FICA tax and this tax and the next tax. All that fun stuff, it all revolves around money. It all revolves around wealth. Who's got it? Who controls it? Who makes the decisions about it? Etc. Because when you look at what's going on with DAC and TPS, it's fairly simple. There's a million people covered over DAC and TPS. What happens when you take a million people out of the labor market? Let's say you take 500,000 out of the labor market. That is two solid months of economic growth and employment in the United States. In two months, that's what it amounts to the number of people going to work. But a million people removed from the labor pool, 
And that doesn't count the illegal persons that are working that are here that are part of all these this entire package that aren't allowed to work that are working. You know, all these people that are complaining that they're not making $15 an hour flipping burgers, all these people that are complaining that they don't have uh, better jobs, better working conditions because you know, they're only making 10 or 12 bucks an hour. Let me explain something to you. Let me explain something very solid to you. When you eliminate, or I say when you reduce the labor pool, the value of one's services goes up. That means basic economics. When a resource is limited, the value of that resource goes up. And if you haven't noticed, they no longer call us personnel. You no longer go to the personnel office when you apply for a job with a company. You go to the human resources director. That's the person who decides whether or not you are contributive enough to work someplace. Now, I think it's one of the most disgusting terms in the world. I really do. You are a human resource. You know what that means? They're going to burn you out. They're going to crush you. They're not going to give a shit about you. And they're going to toss you in the garbage pail when you can't do it anymore. Why do you think people don't work for companies or work in industries for any length of time anymore? They're not welcome there. They're not part of it there. They are literally just used, abused, thrown away, and we move on to the next one. Well, why do they retire out people at certain ages? It's really simple. Whether or not that person can continue to contribute to the benefit of everybody at the place they work, I can retire one guy, pay him his pension, or let him collect off his 401k if there's anything left there, and hire three, four, or five other guys cheaper to do the same damn job. That, my friends, is human resources. And that's where this DACA and TPS come into play jointly. This is effective a way of manipulating the economics of the labor market as it is, as the built-in inflation of the U.S. dollar does in forcing prices to go up. We're being played from both sides of the fence. Now, I'm not saying one side is better than the other. I am not saying that you know, we should you know, extend the TPS status of the people here permanently. I am not saying that DACA is a is should be extended to a permanent fix. I am simply pointing out the writing on the wall. One million people that are have that are here under what amounts to be refugee status. And refugees need to go back where they came from. That's the purpose. They're gaining refuge and they go back when it's safe. What else are we going to do about it? All right. Let's get on to something a little bit more exciting, if you haven't been all pumped up as of yet. Here's where things got crazy yesterday. January 8th, 2018, I was sitting in the United States District Court uh, of Nevada, courtroom 7C. The Honorable George, uh, the Honorable Navarro was there. And Judge Navarro uh, was reading into the record her decision on the motion to dismiss and to, and to, with prejudice that was submitted by uh, Defendant Ryan Payne. If you have been living in an absolute bubble over the last two years and you aren't aware of what's been going on in Nevada and in Oregon, then my suggestion is try and open a newspaper to at least get the topics of conversation to do so. In 2014, there was a little scuffle down here in Nevada in a place called Mesquite. Well, actually, it was called Gold Butte, but I'll give you Mesquite as a landmark, a little further south than that. What happened was a rancher by the name of Clive and Bundy, a ornery little coot, got himself into a tussle with the Bureau of Land Management. And Cliven, a gentleman who decides he stands on his positions regardless of his positions, which I find honorable, to be perfectly honest with you, 
um, told the entire world through the sources of the Internet, through newspapers, through word of mouth, through social media, and so forth, that the Bureau of Land Management was down there to basically take his cows and put him out of business. And it stemmed from a 1993? I mean, it goes back two decades. Dispute between who had the right to manage the land and who had the right to use the land under which his cows roamed. He's got a 160-acre uh, ranch, uh, basically in the dead center of Gold Butte. And the rest of it is public lands that are under the current management of the Bureau of Land Management that stem from basically um, the Lake Mead National Reserve down to, I think, the Arizona border. Big territory, okay? Um, basis of the argument is he stopped paying his fees because he no longer needed the BLM, according to him, to manage the land or to manage his range. And they started arguing trespasses in the mid-1990s. One thing leads to another, leads to another. 2012, they were going to do this. They didn't do it. 2014 comes along, and they decide they're going to they're going to pick up his cows and going to take them off the range, and that's going to be the end of it. Now, you might think, how do you get that many, how do you get 400 to 1,000 cows off of a range that stretches for, believe me, if you look on a map, it's a whole lot of space. Miles and miles and miles and tens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of miles. Square miles, it is. Well, needless to say, things didn't go well for either side. Um, they like to call this the, the Bunkerville standoff, but if you determine whether or not 300 or 400 people waving flags, and yes, there were people with firearms on Cliven's side, maybe a dozen, maybe 50. I don't know. Maybe even a hundred. Who cares? But it wasn't the war that people like to make it out to be. It wasn't an armed insurrection. There's nothing in the U.S. Constitution that says you can't protest while carrying a firearm. Might not be the smartest thing in the world. Okay? I mean, I'm, I'm a firearms owner. I carry a weapon. Might not be the smartest thing in the world. But there's nothing that says you can't protest the government action while carrying a firearm. Okay, so be it. Needless to say, these guys were arrested in 2016. They sat in jail for almost 700 days. Yesterday, uh, Judge Navarro turns around after declaring a mistrial in December of 2017, turns around and issues a, I think it took her about 45 minutes to read her decision into the record, and granted a dismissal with prejudice based upon the misbehavior and downright dirty tricks and denials of right responsibilities, obligations, and so forth to not only Cliven and the three other defendants that were there, but that was a blow to the that, that was a blow in favor of justice. Yesterday, regardless of whether or not you decided that he was guilty from the start, whether or not your politics puts you on the left or the right. Yesterday was a, Yesterday's decision was justice being done. And justice doesn't mean a conviction. Justice means right or wrong. Judge Navarro, my compliments to, to, the, to the lady, because it was a... It was 200-some-odd people in attendance, half of which couldn't even get into the courtroom. And this judge really came to a tough conclusion. As a, as, as, a, as a litigator, as somebody who deals with jurists on a regular basis, I've seen judges do a lot of things. I've seen, and, and, and I've got a small career compared to many, many other people who've done it. But I've seen judges make a lot of tough decisions and spell out why they were making those decisions. But yesterday's decision, I know, was difficult because no matter what judge I've ever, I've, I've ever addressed myself to, the one thing I realize is that they want to conclude the matter. They want the matter in general to actually, if it's valid and real, 
They want it to go from start to finish and get done. There has to be some sort of conclusion to it. Yesterday's decision to issue a mistrial, in my opinion, was difficult for her. was correct, by the way, but was difficult for the simple fact that it leaves many questions open. There's another trial coming in February for the four remaining defendants, and there was a trial prior to this with a group of other defendants where there was only two convictions, and they had a bunch of uh, plea deals struck. And I can all, I, I, and I can I can guarantee you that there's going to be a lot of mischief and a lot of challenges of those circumstances, those deals and those convictions, based upon a simple fact that the mistrial was issued yesterday. But here's the thing. When justice is done, the people of the United States benefit. The events that transpired yesterday may have taken four people out from underneath the boot of the judicial system. And by the way, when you, if you think the judicial system isn't heavy, do something stupid in a small county court in the middle of nowhere and tell me how complicated things get and what it costs you to get yourself out of it, even if you believed you were innocent of doing something wrong. This went on for two years. Most of these guys were locked up for two years. And when when justice was... When justice... When she brought down that gavel yesterday and justice was concluded and delivered, there was an overwhelming sigh of relief. Now, whether or not the prosecutors felt the same way, probably not. But overall, the the concepts and ideas of the American judicial system were vindicated at that moment, that fairness still can find its way into the system, that you don't have to have a high-priced, high-powered lawyer to stand by your side to make sure that you can pay for justice. Justice was delivered because the one important factor that most people seem to forget is this. And the left thinks that, okay, the left thinks that government's better off doing it than we are. And the right thinks that government's overstepping its bounds because it does too much, or it sticks its nose where it doesn't belong. And the rest of us think, well, there's got to be a balance somewhere. But we also recognize one very important part, that the government is made up of people, our neighbors. And the law is created by our neighbors. So there has got to be a balance somewhere in the middle. And what I saw yesterday was that the people, the people, us, the people, the body, the, corp- the corpus of the United States were vindicated when our system turned around and said, you know what, we went too far, you, we did the wrong things, we didn't, go, we didn't do our jobs the way we're supposed to be, because you've got to remember something. I, you know, I I believe in the infallibility of the individual. I mean, most of us realize that nobody is perfect. And there's plenty of religious jokes you can pop up there, I mean, just from that statement itself. But the idea behind taking a trial and saying, you know what, screw it, we're done. This is, it's just not working out. It, it, it's just, we've, done, we've done the wrong things. It's difficult for the simple fact that we have to recognize our own errors. And our own failures, and our own and our own inabilities. Now, I'm not placing specific blame on anybody. That was a judge's job, and she did it graciously and concisely. But she did point out several things that the government abdicated its obligations and its authority to deliver exculpatory materials, what's known as Brady material. And it made the mistakes of making the decisions what was and what was not exculpatory. And because of that, the defense itself was limited because it kept they kept being told that they were they were fools. They're angry. They're arguing. They're, you know they're they're creating circumstances that didn't exist. It never happened. So when we find ourselves in a circumstance where we're lying to ourselves, which is what happened yesterday, that's what the judge said. We were lying to ourselves. You can't have a fair trial if we're not being fair 
with ourselves. And the prosecutor is the representative of the people, us. If we had a massive problem with what happened, then we had an obligation to make sure that that problem was addressed properly. It's the same reason we expect, not necessarily don't get, we expect anybody who works for the government to hold themselves to a higher standard. And they should. They should hold themselves to a higher standard. They should be professional. They should be responsible. They should be conscious of what their job entails. Because they do work for us. They represent us. Yesterday, we said to ourselves, we can't do this. You know, I heard I heard a comment yesterday after it was closed that we have to tear down the judicial system. No, we have to hold the judicial system to a higher standard, to the standard by which it was set, and recognize the people that participate in the judicial system, especially those that represent us, need to recognize the impact in which they have. It's not an issue. See, when I go into a courtroom against another litigator, whether if on a civil matter, it's can I beat the attorney? Do I have the information? Do I have what I need to make my case to the judge and let the judge vote for me to, to rule in my favor? In a criminal matter where the, where the accused is supposed to be considered innocent until proven guilty, everything the government has that could possibly shed light on a reason why an individual is not guilty should be made available to them. And believe it or not, the case is about 50 years old. It's Brady v. Maryland. It's not something that is 200 years old. It's not something we've been arguing. This is a problem that, 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 that existed up until the 1960s before we started recognizing the, our, our failures. So government is at its worst when we allow it to be at its worst. Government conducts itself in such in, in, in bad in a fashion in which we are the oppressed, but our if you recognize it, our neighbors are doing it. I guess that's a really big, and I'm not advocating this. I'm using a term here for a second, so put the brakes on. The, the concept of a civil war is when war breaks out between those who support the government and those who don't support the government, or those who support the status quo and those who don't support the status quo. But if you recognize it, a civil war, it finally makes sense. It's a war in which we don't get along. We, we don't trust our government, our elected officials, our institutions to protect what, to do what they were established to do. You understand? The Yesterday, and I, I'm, I'm really glad to say, say this, I, w- I personally would have liked to have seen an acquittal, to be perfectly honest with you. I would have liked to have seen it go through the entire process and an acquittal come out at the other end, or a hung jury, where they would have to determine whether or not they would even waste their time to retry them. But yesterday, when that gavel came down, and the judge dismissed the courtroom and said, we'll be back in 15 minutes. I saw things that really lit up my, that really gave me, that returned my faith in people. Now, I, I followed this matter from the very beginning. I've been involved on the fringes since, since the day after it happened. I never went to, I never went to the uh, uh, protest. I never went to the, the, his farm. I mean, the only con, con, contact, any substantive contact I've ever had with him. I think would be, I bought melons from his farm, which, by the way, I hope he starts growing again. you got to try them. They are the best. But I stood there, and I was trying to get the attention of one of the other attorneys. And he steps up. I watched Kleinman pull off his the top of his, jump, his jumper, his uh, detainee shirt, and take his orange Crocs that he was wandering around in and put them on the chair, next, you know, the chair in front of him. He walks towards the the break in the the courtroom. And he looks up at me and he smiles. I'm going to stick my hand out. I shook his hand and I smiled back at him. But when he grabbed a hold of Carol, his wife, and he squeezed her and he gave her a kiss, I started to freaking cry. 
I'm standing there. I mean, there's U.S. Marshals. There were about four of them. And all they wanted to do, which was the funniest part about this, all they wanted to do was get him to go downstairs so they could take the damn shackles off. And this man said to himself, he says, we won. I want to go out that door. And I looked at him and said, if you go out that door, they're going to take you back downstairs anyway. And he looks and he goes, so what? I don't know if I have that in me to be that lackadaisical about what he faced, the 700-plus days he spent in jail. But I don't know if I could have been as pleased with what happened if I hadn't been there, if I hadn't seen justice done. Because so many times we worry about things where justice isn't done. I'm representing a client right now in Missouri in a habeas petition where I have to fight for every little piece that I'm getting to try and get this guy out of jail because no matter what they say that happened, I've got evidence coming out of my ears that it never happened. i got videotape. The guy had a videotape of what occurred to him. His name is Jeffrey Winehouse, by the way, so um, freejeffnow.com will take you to the Bolton Men. If you want to help donate and support the case, go to don- uh, donate.freejeffnow, but it's freejeffnow.com will take you to the Winehouse, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Justice becomes so convoluted in, in, in many instances, you just can't figure out what's going on. So when we are dealing with issues like DACA or TPS, we need to recognize the fact that there has to be a line in the sand. There has to be a point in which we determine as a people what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, what is right and what is wrong. In circumstances we're facing today, the DACA issue needs to be recognized that it was wrong from the start. Even the people who set it up and started it, the executive order, not even a not even a passage of an act from Congress, but the swipe of a pen of a president, who had stated numerous times that he had no authority to do exactly what he did. We can't be made to be the bad guys. We have to bite the bullet. We have to swallow the bad pill. We have to take our medicine. We have to solve the problem. And if that means creating a circumstance in which these people can stay but can't vote, can't sponsor, and don't get the brass ring, that of citizenship, maybe that's the middle ground. On the other hand, it might be they have to leave. That's the reality of it. Birthright citizenship needs to be dealt with because birthright citizenship has been, has been historically abused. I get it if two people are citizens and they have a child. Well, guess what? You're entitled to the benefits of your parents. If one citizen has a child with a non-citizen, the child, if it's born to a citizen mother, needs to have citizenship. A citizen father with a non-citizen, uh, not so much. The benefits of the of the family unit, the benefits of the family, the benefits of recognizing reality. You know, it's a um, it's a crazy thing that the argument that's going to come up is, well, if you deport these people, what about their citizenship, citizen kids? The law breaks up families every day. People lose their health, their wealth, their families over breaking the law. Do we need to ignore the law? Do we need to ignore punishing the guilty? Just because somebody else might get hurt? It happens. We can't be held responsible for the actions of somebody else. With TPS, it was temporary. People shouldn't be shouldn't expect to to continue down a temporary path and not resolve their problems. You know, if you wanted to stay in the United States under TPS, there should have been or may have been, could have been, a half a dozen different ways for you to do it. If you were here more than a couple of years, you know, why not apply for a green card? Even if you didn't want to be a citizen, but you wanted to stick around. Why not apply for the right to stay? And if that right to stay was not extended to you under TPS, then you shouldn't expect to continue to be here 17 years later. DACA children. We keep calling them kids. They're not kids. They're not dreamers. 
They were brought here by their parents. They were illegal when they walked in the door. They're illegal now. We just have to find a way that fits and into our into our social fabric, into our judicial fabric, into our historical fabric to deal with the problem. And the Bundys? Well, the Bundys pointed out that, you know, we still have to remember to keep an eye on our government. The Constitution is a wonderful thing. It's a defined document. It tells us what we can and cannot do. But if we have people in government that are willing to ignore that, it doesn't make a difference if it's through the judicial system or through the electoral system or, or whatnot. If we have people who are willing to ignore the restrictions of government that are in government, then we are going to get a result we are not going to like. We are going to get the problems that we have avoided for the last 200 and roughly 50 years. Our growing pains, we are young. We are going to have growing pains. We are going to have stretch marks. We are going to get old and gray as a nation and as a, as a country and as a people. But we are, continuing, we are going to continue to leave a mark on history because regardless of where you sit, we are the most powerful nation on earth. We have the ability to literally destroy anybody who crosses our path. But if you want to point out that we haven't been successful in Iraq, we haven't been successful in Iran, I'm sorry, in Afghanistan, and we lost to Vietnam, remember something. The American soldier will do its job so long as you get out of its way and let it do its job. The American pilot, the American Navy. You know, government is designed to do very few things. Protect our borders. Protect our country. And regulate commerce. That's pretty much it. you got to think about that, guys. So, as we kick off the year with a technically fouled production, I want to say thank you very much for joining me for the last hour, letting me voice my thoughts and opinions share a couple of stories with you and point us in the right direction because I got news for you guys. It's going to be a great year. And I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, not sure if I'll be here on Friday. I've got a lacrosse tournament to attend. I'm looking forward to that too. And uh, otherwise, good luck. God bless. Thanks for joining me. I am Warren Markwitz. This is Politically Incorrect on the Warren Markwitz Show. And uh, thank you very much for your time. You'll be good. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. The Warren Markowitz Show. If you're thinking about it, we're probably talking about it. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-711-3017 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-711-3017. Again, that's 800-711-3017. The Warren Markowitz Show on Red State Radio, Spreaker, and Automatic. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.